Hi, and welcome to Whole Heart Transformation. I am Melissa Alguera, your personal identity life coach. Let's go to the podcast. Hey there. So happy that you're here. I literally just love, love, love to talk. So this is so easy for me. (laughs) Doing a podcast, it's so easy for me. So today I really want to talk about um, change and why uh, we have to do work to change and why we don't see results when we're either trying to do work or maybe we're doing a certain amount of work when we want to see change and it may not be happening. So change is a really funny thing because I think for the longest time people were told like you can't actually change um, how you are, like you are what you are. And, you know, a lot of people would say, um, you know, it's your behavior that makes you, and, uh, it's not the way it's not your beliefs that make you. And, and, you know, there's all these, all these things that are out there that people talk about with, when it comes to, um, how you change and if you can change and if you can't, you know, whatever. And I've actually found, um, I I love to look at the brain like and how it works. And I love to learn about the brain and I love to learn about trauma and, um, you know, how it affects a person and then generationally. And, and, and it's actually like a really big deal how trauma changes the person who's receiving the trauma and going through trauma and then generationally how it changes your kids and their kids and so on and so forth. So, so this is basically what I've been uh, discovering when it comes to wanting to change ourselves and, and getting healing and maybe some of the reasons why it's not happening and um, how it does happen. So when you think about if, if you've gone through a traumatic experience, let's talk about that for a second. So let's say you go through a traumatic experience and I'm going to give a little piece of what Gabor Mate talks about. He says that um, people that experience trauma, when they go through a traumatic event, what sets the trauma in to the brain is not necessarily the event itself. Yes, the event itself is traumatic, but what uh, changes the brain is when that person doesn't have someone there with them to empathize and um, be there with them. And they're, when they're, um, when they're alone after they've had a traumatic experience is usually when trauma changes the person. And there's all this like scientific, like verbiage that, um, that's used and talked about, but I'm going to try to just keep it in as simple terms as I can. So, but when you, so, so when we talk about trauma, you know, you've, if you're alone, then that's when it actually changes your body and, and how your body reacts to things. And we talked about triggers the last podcast. And so, um, you know, those are triggers are a reaction to, um, a trauma that, you know, happened either because of a circumstance or being alone, um, in the circumstance and not getting, not getting mirrored and, and validated and having empathy when you've gone through a certain event. 
And so, um, and it's, it's interesting, like the way our, our body and our brain work. It's not like you can just deal with something once and it's over. Sometimes you have to keep pulling back the, the layers, you know, like an onion, you have to keep pulling back those onion layers in order to deal with whatever is coming up to change. And I think that, that we find when we're not changing, we give up because it feels too hard and it doesn't feel worth it. Or maybe, you know, you've thought you changed and something is happening again. And so how do we really change when we, when we're really longing to be a different person? How do we change? How do we overcome and see a victory with what we want and who we want to be? <clears throat> well, there's a couple things. So first of all, uh, change requires a lot of work. It, you can't expect to change <laughs> and do nothing. Um, you can't use that, you know, mental power to just get it done. No, like you actually have to do work. And I remember when uh, a couple of years ago, when I first got into what I don't even like to call it recovery, but basically uh, for me as uh, going through betrayal, I had to do some work to heal. It wasn't my fault that I had gone through that, but I still had damage from what happened. So I remember reading workbooks on it and, and doing workbooks. And I was thinking, how in the heck by me doing this, is this going to heal me? It just doesn't seem logical to, to do a workbook and I'm like going to get healing. But the crazy thing was it actually brought a level of healing doing a workbook and like going through what happened to me. And then like going through, you know, what happened to my spouse and why they were the way that they were it brought a level of consciousness, you know, oh, okay, like, yes, like this is truth. However, what wasn't healing was my body. My body was still reacting to a lot of the situations from the past. And so we talked about that in triggers, like my body was still having a reaction. And, you know, when we want to change something, and something keeps happening to us over and over and we're not seeing results, it feels as if nothing can shift. So, so you have to do steps, you know, you have to, when you want healing, um, you've got to do something about it. You can't just sit there and expect it to happen. Um, and, and people get miracles, but I, I gotta be honest with you. Um, miracles are amazing and they do happen. I've received partial miracles with some of my healing, but I, I didn't receive the full thing. And I think the reason is, is because there's parts of us that can heal, um, quicker. And there's parts of us that need a little more time and a little more fine tuning and a little more attention. So let me just kind of share with you what I do for myself and then what I do in my coaching, because I think that might give you a little perspective of why it's so important to do so much. So <clears throat> When I started my healing journey for myself, I think I was like, oh gosh, maybe 21. And I remember feeling like something's not 
something isn't right within me. Um, not necessarily that I was bad or doing bad things, but I just felt that something was off maybe with within what I had experienced growing up. And so I needed to, to do something about that. And I, I don't know why at that time I didn't think about going and seeing a therapist, but I'd gone to these people that did, that kind of walked you through like your childhood and maybe certain things that might have happened and, and how to heal some of that. So I had started that early on and they called that, it was an inner healing tool. It's Christian based. And so that's what I did. I started with that. So I felt like I got some healing through that, but then I was still really noticing things about myself that I felt were still needed some fine tuning. And, and I had this, uh, just a lot of anger and a lot of unaddressed emotion that I wasn't aware of. And so it wasn't until the last couple of years that I was able to start working through that. And one of the ways that I started working through that was, um, first of all, I, I think this is so funny. Every time I think about this, I just think it's hilarious. But um, the first way was by getting a feeling wheel out. And so there's feelingswheel.com that you can go to and there's a feelings wheel. And <clears throat> it has a lot of feelings on there that you can go to and identify. And I remember looking at this feelings wheel and sharing these things with people or my husband or whatever, and just thinking, wow, this is so elementary. I should have been learning feelings back in elementary school, like putting words to what was going on in my body. How do you even do that? Okay, so that was the first thing. I, I started with that, doing a feelings wheel and and just kind of having that all the time which is amazing because we have our phone all the time so we really don't have an excuse we can pull feelingswheel.com up anytime and it's not it's not even going to be an issue or you can snap a picture of it um so that was really helpful it was like wow i actually can recognize how i'm feeling and then the next thing uh the second thing that i did was i started allowing myself to sit with the sensations in my body. I really wanted to overcome anger. Now, anger has been with me for a really long time. So there's parts of anger that um, is still there. And when I talk about anger, like anger is a great emotion because it means a couple things. It means I don't like it. And it's also a movement. It's something to cause uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, an emotion that's an awareness, brings an awareness that something needs to change. Something needs to move. I don't like this. Something needs to move. So um, I've had to learn to get curious when anger is coming up because it, it was the first emotion that I really understood in my body. I mean, it was like, it, it's always been one of those emotions that would just hit me and it's just there and now it's just flying off the handle. <laughs> which is not fun for me or anybody else, to be honest with you. So I started to get curious with my anger. And, and this has been over time by, by recognizing in my body what's happening. What is the anger trying to say in this moment? Why is anger showing up so strongly? You know, things like that. 
And I would just allow it to be. If I needed to go and draw or, uh, you know, hit a pillow, I wish I had a punching bag. I wish I had space for a punching bag. I would love to have a punching bag. <laughs> Um, because the, sometimes the anger, it needs to move through your body. Like you need to move it out so you can get to whatever is next. So anger was like a really close emotion that I could get in touch with. But sadness was harder for me because anger was so strong. Anger was covering so much because I didn't want to seem weak. And so as I began to get curious with that, I noticed the deeper emotions that were even underneath the anger which was sadness and a lot of grief, a lot of grief for what had happened to me. And <clears throat> as I allowed that to come through, as I would get curious with the anger and then allow the next part of that to come up to the surface, you know, even underneath the sadness, the sadness was dis the disconnection I was feeling. And I, I thought that I was a very connected person before. I, I would say I'm pretty connected, um, but there was still a lot of disconnection. And disconnection is one of the, is the root of all pain. If you think about our life, about your life, about the lives of other people, you know, think about really what is, what is the greatest pain whether it's in death or relational breakdowns, it's disconnection. That's the pain. And I think what we do as people is we try to cover all that up and hide it. And then that causes more pain. And then we're not healing because we're disconnecting from what's really happening, the pain that we're experiencing. So by feeling and facing you know, the anger, I was able to um, really start addressing the pain of disconnection. And then the third thing um, that I, I did, I did so much different types of therapy. I did, um, oh my gosh. Oh, I didn't, I'm trying to think what I even did. Okay, so I did, we started out with the CSAT, which was good for me because our CSAT um, was, was able to actually validate my experience um, when I was in the pain of our marriage and the betrayal that I went through. And then I, and then I uh, started to see a, a therapist that worked with betrayal trauma and she also did EMDR, which is incredible for working through a lot of trauma. Um, and then I got a coach or I think, I, no, I already have my coach. I got a coach too. And then um, that was for a betrayal trauma. And then the the last thing, um, I did some inner healing. And then I also, I've done a lot of groups. And then I think the biggest game changer for me was when I uh, went to a group called Character Formation. And that's currently what I'm training to do right now myself because it was so impactful. And so... Um, in that, in a short little blip, is what we do is we basically stop stop allowing ourselves or working through, I don't want to say allowing ourselves, that's wrong. In short, we invite you or even me, 
when we're in a session to face and feel whatever is coming up and allowing it to be as is no matter how bad it is. And that's really hard for us because we want to cover up our insecurities or our shameful behavior and what that is really doing is stopping us from healing. So those are the three things that I really uh, did. I know that the third was like a bunch of stuff. But with my clients, what I do a lot is we face and feel a lot. And one really awesome thing that I got early on in my journey to healing was I learned about different parts of us and how we have these different parts that show up and, and like they're good. They're good. They're there to protect us. Um, but they've really been put in bad roles because when we have had trauma or painful events, we go into these protective parts to keep us from continuing to feel pain. And so I allow my clients to speak for those parts, to speak from them, to work with me, to, to ask those parts questions. So, so here's a, here's an example. Um, if you were to come into a session with me and you were having pain and you're just talking, 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 I would stop you and we'd slow down and I'd say, let's just slow down right here. If we need to do some meditation, we do some meditation, uh, whatever it is to get you in touch with your body and just kind of slow it all down. So we're going to go real, real slow. And then I'm going to ask you where you feel it in your body and what's coming up for you. And it's amazing because your body is really a beautiful gift to the pathway to change and healing. And because we've been taught to push away any negative feelings in the body, which in my mind, nothing is a negative feeling in the body. The body is there to signal something that needs to be addressed or attuned to or cared for, or maybe there is a change that needs to happen. And so we don't, we, we don't get the luxury of pushing sensations out of our body. We can try, but they do show up. You guys, they always show up. And this is why people go to addiction because they don't know how to feel or cope with what is happening in their body. So they have a negative feeling that's coming up. And instead of being able to take that in relationship in, a, in an attachment, they don't know how to do that. So they, they end up going and medicating that pain, which ends up being really horrible because it's like I was telling my husband last night. It's like um, you remember Pirates of the Caribbean and the the scene. I think it was the first one, so don't quote me on it. But it's like the first scene where the guys are like under the water. They're skeletons, partial skeleton, partial human. And they had this curse that was put upon them because they weren't feeling, they weren't able to feel anything anymore. They weren't able to taste or or uh, smell 
They weren't able to, to have any encounter with any bodily sensations anymore. They, they literally were just like drinking something and it was, it was empty. They couldn't taste or feel. And that's, that's what it's like to be in an addiction cycle. You're, you're numbing yourself so much that you're not able to identify feelings anymore. You're not able to identify sensations anymore because you've been numbing it so much that even when it comes up, you're not aware of it. And we have a lot of people that, that do that with so many different types of addictions. And it could be anything. It could be shopping, food, sex, money, you know, whatever, whatever you're addicted to. I mean, <laughs> I heard one person say it could be just sweeping the floor. You know, you could be addicted to sweeping floor. It doesn't matter. It's, it's whatever you're doing to cope and not feel. And that stops you from changing when you're not able to feel and deal with what's coming up for you. There's no way that you can heal when you can't feel it. And th this beautiful thing that has been shown in neuroscience now is that when two brains come together, healing can actually happen because things we, we get attunement and empathy and, and care and, and we're wired this way. We're wired actually to have two, two are better than one. You know, we're, we're actually wired to have somebody connect with us with another brain. And so you can't do it alone. Healing and change can't happen alone. You, you can't do it by yourself. It is not scientifically, neurologically possible to do it alone and have the healing that you need. But we're in an independent society. So you find that a lot of people who, who um, want to heal, they can't heal because they end up, you know, trying, they, they think that they need to do it alone. So how do you heal if you're doing it alone? You actually can't. And this is why groups are so amazing because when you get into a group, for healing whatever issue that you're dealing with, or maybe uh, you don't know what you need, but you just are feeling unbearably alone. And you're like, I just, I know I need to like do something here. When you get into groups, it's crazy because you end up realizing, wait, other people are going through this too? Like, I'm not the only one who's having this experience. Yes, you're not alone. You're not going through this by yourself. You're not the only one who's had this happen to you. You're not the only one facing this. You're not the only one feeling this. And that's what's amazing about groups even, is that you can find other people who can actually relate to you. And then your body changes, you guys. This is, this is why change is, is so hard because in order for you to change, you have to be with other people. Well, we don't want other people to know what we've been doing in secret. We don't want other people to know what happened. We have stories and cognitive distortions that keep us from coming and bringing what has gone on into relationship. But relationship is the only way to heal relationship is the only way to change. 
And yes, there has been a lot of relationship that has been damaging. Even so, there is no way to heal and change without relationship. Now, does that mean that you stay or go to a relationship that has been really damaging to you? Not necessarily. If that person that's caused damage has not changed, you're not going to be able to get that attunement. You're not going to get validated. You're not going to get mirrored or empathized with because they're still stuck in their cycle of dysfunction. But you guys, it is absolutely possible to change and heal. It's absolutely possible to transform. And it will take time. It's not something that can happen overnight. The only way to change is to stick with it. And if there's something that you're doing, let's say you're going to therapy or coaching or groups or whatever, where you're not changing, it's good to be aware of that. Like, I'm not growing. That's amazing then. It's time for you to move on. If you can recognize it, that's amazing. It's time to find another place then. Or maybe add another thing to your healing process. You know, contact people, go around. I I have had so many clients that have said to me, I, I can't find, you know, the right therapist for this or that. You guys, there's a lot of therapists. So if you can't find the right one, keep looking. There's a lot. I wasn't raised to go to therapy. I was told therapy is wrong. Therapists have more problems than other people. Yeah, probably so. And you know why they're therapists? You know why there's coaches? It's because we all have been through something. But we want people to heal too. Like we've maybe had a portion of healing and change for ourselves. And we want people to have that too. And that's why we do what we do. That's why you see therapists. That's why you see coaches because they've, most of them have had some sort of revelation or realization for themselves that they're human in a mess too. It's not a one and done for change. It has to be in community with safe people who can mirror, who can validate your experience, and who can empathize. And without that, healing will be really hard. Change will be really hard. You can heal, but it will take a lot longer. It will take a lot more effort. So why not just bring it into relationship? Why not just bring whatever it is that you need into relationship, especially knowing that there are people, there are so many people like you that want change. There are so many people who want to see movement that don't want to be doing the same things. There are a lot of people that are on the other side. Call them, reach out to them. How did you get there? What did you do? And if they said nothing and they said, oh, I just had a random miracle, please don't follow them. <laughs> please don't follow their advice. 
it's amazing that community could be such a healthy place to get healing. And, you know, you'll be able to get traction and see results. Well, when you're in community with your, when you're with people who may, who are on the journey too, that haven't arrived, no one has arrived in their healing journey. It's all a process for every single one of us. And to think that you're not in process is to deny the parts of your story that you don't want to face and feel. I got to be honest with you. And those aren't the people that you'll be able to get healing from anyways, because they're not facing and feeling. So I challenge you, if you want to see change, reach out for help. You're not alone. You can change. Change is only going to happen if you take the steps forward with other people. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and rate the show. Also, if you really, really enjoyed it, share it with a friend. If you also are looking for coaching, you can find me at www.identitylife.coach. And you can follow me on Instagram, identity.life.coach. 